The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Tuesday episode of Rural Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is Laura Lightning Nipples <laughs> Jameson. Say hi, Laura. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I didn't even know it was going to happen until I said it, actually. That <laughs> just hit me. Like, this is why I laugh at my own jokes, like, seriously, because half the time I don't know what the fuck the joke is. Good. Like, it's, a, it's new to me once it comes once out. Once it of my comes mouth. out, yeah. Yeah, then I'm like, oh, that was fucking funny. <laughs> God. Oh, so today I'm going to do David and Catherine Bernie. Not related to Bernie Sanders by any means, right? No. Okay. This was, I actually found a whole show called uh, Crime Families of Australia. Like, there's a whole, several seasons of this, so. It wouldn't surprise me, man. Australia has some fucked up killers. Like, there was a, I have his face, but I can't remember his fucking name but we we've done a few australians yeah it's like jesus christ man yeah well, yeah. yeah no shit huh yeah. I mean, well, that's what you get for having a fucking you know a bunch of killers that create the country but like we're brutal here like in in the u.s and you know like throughout europe but you get to australia and you see some of them you're like <laughs> All bets are off there with just about everything. It's like he's I, not I even think. a serial killer. He's just a crime boss. He's not even sending people <laughs> to do it for him. Yeah. He murdered 20 people just because his Cheerios went soggy. Dude, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Scares the fuck out of me. So these two were born with uh, within a couple months of each other in the first half of 1951. Catherine Harrison at the time and David Burney both had difficult childhoods. Uh, David Burney was the first of five children to an alcoholic mother and a physically handicapped father. Why does it always start off with one of the parents being an alcoholic? I know. You, ever, you know, we do that kind of a lot. Like, and but usually it's the dad to a to a, a, a an abusive mother and an alcoholic father. So at least we got a little change in kind of switch there. up here. Yeah, um, who lived in what was then a semi-rural suburb in eastern Perth, and rumors about incest within the family abounded, and the Bernie house was just a filthy hole. Was the <laughs> Mrs. Bernie swore and was ill-kept, did not cook family meals, and was known to exchange sexual favors with taxi drivers in lieu of payment. Hey, man. Booze costs money. Trust me. <laughs> I go shopping a lot. Booze costs money. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm just saying sometimes you got to blow it, dude. <laughs> in order to get your bottle of vodka. Just saying. There was a lady who used to see her on the, um, like a public bus route that they would be on there a lot at the same time. And she said that whatever baby, whatever kid she had with her at the time, the youngest one at the time, who was dirty and usually half, basically not wearing anything but a, a dirty diaper. Ew. Um, the, Mrs. Bernie would get on the bus, sit down next to someone, and just hand the baby over, like, here. 
uh, and then she would light a cigarette and and read her book or whatever she was doing, and then you you sat there holding her baby, and then probably you're going to have a wet lap. <laughs> That's so gross. Until man. she was ready to get off, and then she'd just pick up the baby and and leave. And I was like, I'd be like, what the what the fuck? No, no shit. Like, I... or if you hand me this baby, I'm not going to give it back to you because obviously you don't know what you're doing with it. I've never claimed to be the best father because I've I've made my share of huge fuck ups, but. Yeah. I'm not handing my babies. Off to a stranger? You're like, hey, person I don't know who might be a child killer, child molester. Here, hold this. You know, hold this while I smoke a cigarette and read a book. <laughs> Can I just have a few fucking minutes apiece here? Just hold this baby. Uh, no, I, I have done that. I have done that <laughs> where I've called friends. Well, yeah. You need to come over. Why? I need 15 fucking minutes. That's all, 15. To myself. Yeah. Just, it won't leave me alone. <laughs> You mean your boy that's a he's got... No, no. It is a demon, and it needs to leave me the fuck alone. It's critters. Oh, yeah. I've told told my son this many times. When he was in the dad mode, which dad, 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 Yes. Dad, dad. Yeah. And ask you stupid questions. Dad, what do you want? Why are the walls white? Because that's what color we painted them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dad, why are plants green? Because of chlorophyll. Okay. Dad, why are the sides blue? And finally one day I said, dude... If you don't leave me alone for 10 minutes, I'm going to drown you. Yeah. I can do that. You're small. I'll hold you up underneath the water until the damn bubbles stop. Leave me the hell alone. I just want to go outside. And I would. I'd go outside and have like a cigarette and then come back. Okay, we're good now. Okay, yeah. (laughs) My brother is ADHD and still can talk incessantly. And he either has like zero or... Or 10. He's quiet or he's loud. And my mother, like, he could just, he will, he could ramble on as a little kid. My mom would be like, honey, I love you. Can you shut up, please? I Can actually, you just shut up for a little while? <laughs> I actually feel really bad for Jake for yesterday because yesterday was his birthday. He turned 19. Yeah. And because of my trip home from the coast and eating that chicken sandwich, oh. I was fucked up. Don't get me wrong. I bought yeah. him dinner and, and yeah. all that stuff. And, you know, made sure that, uh, like, on his Facebook, I put, uh, happy birthday to my favorite crotch fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I sent him a, a, a text message, too, that said, happy birthday, my favorite crotch goblin. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. We got a good relationship. But I came home, and I and what a good kid. I'm telling I, I like saying when he does things that are exceptional. Good, yeah. So he, he sends me a message. He goes, dude, are you okay? You know, you're home kind of late. You're doing local. I said, no, nah, I'm on my way home. Got stuck at the coast. And I said, and I feel like crap. So figure out what you want for dinner. Order whatever you want. I'll pay for it. Yeah. And when I got home, he had tea ready for me because he knew my stomach was fucked Aww. up. This really good kid. Yes. Man. I mean, I, I bitch about him a lot, but he, he's actually, he's a, he's a really good kid. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And he's a keeper. I was thinking <laughs> think? late-term abortion <laughs> with him, but yeah, I guess I'll keep him. <laughs> It's it's 19 weeks, not 19 years. Close <laughs> enough. Same, same. They both have 19. Yes. <laughs> same, same. So, so, when they moved to the suburbs, uh, the Bernies began living next door to where a lonely, motherless 12-year-old girl, Catherine Harrison, lived with relatives. When she was two years old, Catherine's mother had died giving birth to a baby brother, who then also died. Catherine moved to South Africa where she was abused by her father until being taken back to Perth by her maternal grandparents. Holy shit. Yeah. So they're both off to great starts. Yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. 
when no, her no childhood trauma there. right when her strict and isolating grandmother had an epileptic fit Catherine was shipped off to her aunt and uncle in the inner southeastern perth suburb of lathlane these are places i've heard of perth but i've never heard of lathlane <laughs> Uh, living next door was a smart, or so she thought, <laughs> wild guy her age. And before they turned 14, neighbors uh, were pretty sure that David Burney and Catherine Harrison were in a sexual relationship. David Burney was a brilliant conversationalist, having read up on everything from politics to science to the Egyptian pyramids, and he enthralled Catherine, which I, I could, I'm sure just having someone pay attention to you who seemed genuinely interested yeah if I was after that you know because that, that, that i've actually fallen into that where um i've been talking to you know different chicks yeah that uh, not for sexual reasons just you know you're, you're paying attention to them because I, yeah I, I really do try to be a nice person um i fail sometimes but i try and then all of a sudden they're like a leech like on you like they're they're trying to have you wear them like a coat. Yes. And they won't leave you alone. And, but I love you. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. This had nothing to do with love, motherfucker. This had to do with, like, I said hi and I took you to get some coffee. But you were nice to me. Yeah. And the, but you're the nicest guy yep. I've ever met. You need to meet more guys because I'm I'm actually an asshole. <laughs> and, uh, you just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, you just haven't seen. That's why, um, I don't know if, I'm, if we talked about it, Don and I did. Is that a lot of girls are in love with the ideology of Scott? Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> none of them know the real Scott. That, right. That part of me that can be a total prick. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carry on, lightning boobs. Uh, but after ten years of welfare, uh, after ten years. Welfare officer of welfare officers repeatedly removing the neglected Bernie children from their parents due to neglect. All five were sent off to different foster homes. David Bernie lost touch with Catherine at least for a while. Uh, David Bernie was skinny and small and left school where he was picked on to become an apprentice jockey. <laughs> hey, perfect to be skinny yeah. and small. Yeah, you know what? I don't fault him for that because he is using. What he has. Well, yeah. Well, what's a disability in the school because you're getting picked on. Right. To his advantage. Yes. Fuck yeah. yeah. Go for it, Dave, buddy. That's fucking awesome. Use what you got, motherfucker. Yeah. At Ascot Race Course, David Burney developed a reputation for hurting the animals and for exposing himself. Are we saying hurting like a herd Hurt. of cows? Or hurting. Hurting. He was hurting the horses. Like, okay, I'm... Let's, that's I don't. Like, I don't like, know. That, I was wondering the same thing. Like, is he grabbing him from behind? Come on. Well, I was saying exposing himself. That's are what you... I was thinking. Actually, yeah. They, like you're a bad pony, aren't you? Are you exposing yourself to the horses? Or yeah, <laughs> you're been smacking its ass. <laughs> bad pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. You can't be hung Yeah, the horse That's is looking all you at going, got? oh, how cute. Yeah. It's like a penis, only smaller. Only smaller. That's adorable. No, no. Do they come in do they come in grown up sizes? Wait a minute. <laughs> they do come in that size, don't they? Just curious. Oh. Uh, so he was fired after his boss learned that he had tried to rape an elderly lady at 
the boarding house that he was living at after breaking into her room naked with a stocking over his head. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's all he I got to say. He is something else. You don't have to rape old women. All you got to do is offer him some tea <laughs> and say, come back to my place. And then all of a sudden, you know, that and a you know, couple of cookies later, you don't have to rape him. Trust me. Come on, Miss Tufsey. <laughs> Can I pet your kitty? <laughs> so in the small Perth community of the late 1960s, David Burney and Catherine Harrison again met up. He already have, had a juvenile record for petty theft, burglary, and assault. Catherine had left school to work as a machinist in a factory making window blinds. Holy shit, that's uh, Rosie the Riveter right yeah. there. You know what? I'm actually, like, on a serious note, I like both of their work ethics. They're using what they got. They do, yes. You know, Catherine said, hey, I can be a machinist, and that's what she was doing. David said, hey, I'm the size of, like, a fucking, like, a, a Lego character. So I'm, I'm going to, so yeah. I'm going to be a jockey. Yeah. Granted, I want to do it naked on a horse, but uh, hey. With an old lady. With an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. Is, he's going to yeah. dive her right into that. <laughs> Kinky. Fucking pony training. <laughs> David Burney had also become addicted to pornography and sex. Okay, stop right there. It's not an addiction. <laughs> it's not an addiction. You can it's stop anytime you want. <laughs> I can stop watching Pornhub and, uh, and all the other porn channels anytime I want. I choose not to. That's so. Th- this is even it. better. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Continue, you, pony. You, you good? Not <laughs> you, yet. you good over there? <laughs> not yet. Not until I get the writing crop. <laughs> One of David's brothers would later say that if David did not have sex every night, he would go mad. Once, after a couple nights of going without, David asked his younger brother to have sex with him. Jesus fucking Christ, what? When the teenager declined, he woke up to find David in his bed trying to get it on with him. Let's get it yeah, on. Yeah, with your brother, with your own brother. That's not right. Not like so. This, I've got brothers and sisters, or a sister, and never once have I looked at any of my kinfolk and gone, ha, that's fucking hot, I'm going to bang that. Right. In 1969, dude, <laughs> uh, both aged 18, David Burney and Catherine... Faced Perth police court uh, charged with breaking and entering and stealing of a safe at a local drive-in theater. Hey, man, go big or go home, right? Yeah, David Burney went to prison. <laughs> went to the big house. Yeah, I bet she's getting plenty of sex there. <laughs> Might not be the kind he wants, but maybe he's getting plenty Well, of but sex. you know what? He'll take what he can get. Yeah, exactly. I mean, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> Catherine, pregnant with another man's child, was put on probation. When David Burney was released from prison in mid-1970, he teamed up with Catherine, and they subsequently committed more thefts. David Burney returned to jail, and Catherine was imprisoned for six months in a detention center, her infant child taken away by welfare authorities, which was probably a good idea. Right. You don't want to send a child to prison. That's <laughs> pretty soon they come out with a mustache uh, and tattoos yeah. and a bad attitude. Yeah. They're throwing diapers at people. <laughs> They're pulling out a fucking shiv from the back of their huggies. Right. Oh, yeah, you, you don't want to do that. Don't need to be stabbed by a fucking like a By, by, by a, a toddler. Baby. Yeah, by a toddler. That's That's not right. Behind bars, she was convinced by an officer life would be better without David. Upon her release, with her child returned to her, Catherine secured a job as a nanny and a housekeeper and with the respected McLaughlin family. 
When she became pregnant by one of their sons, Donald McLaughlin, they were allowed to marry on her 21st birthday in 1972. She's got a lot under her belt before she was 21. No shit. She's a hardworking woman, man. Yeah. Got a lot of shit going on. Catherine and Donald would have seven children, but the first, Donnie Jr., was hit and killed by a car in their driveway while just an infant. Why what was the? Yeah. You don't hear about people... Well, I, and I, she witnessed the accident. She saw it happen. So, wait a minute. So you can't just be sitting there going, hey, a car's pulling into the driveway. Better move the baby. I, yeah. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> makes no goddamn sense. Jesus, ha- haven't you seen Pet Cemetery? <laughs> yes, 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 I have. Sometimes they just run out there. Um, no, that's true. But it's a driveway. It's not like it's the middle of the road or anything. I know. It, uh, yeah, this is a driveway <laughs> in a Perth suburb. We have no idea what it's like. Um, <laughs> More like a freeway? Yeah, who knows? We park on the sides, but people pass by at, you know, at, at uh, 60. High speeds, yeah. yeah. High speeds. <laughs> Catherine proved unskilled at keeping house, and the rest of the children ran wild. A council employee, Donald, supported their burgeoning family until a back injury incapacitated him, and the family was forced into a government housing property. Uh, David, meanwhile, had married a woman named Carrie, and they had had a child. But by about 1983, Catherine and David had started seeing one another again and embarked on an affair. In 1985, Catherine left her husband and six children, when the youngest, Peter, was just three years old to live with David Burney. See, that's fucked up, man, because I don't want to point fingers at the woman in particular that did this, but I know somebody's mom that did that when he was like uh, six, seven months old. Jeez. He's like, "Eh, I don't want to do this. Yeah, she basically came in and said, I don't like you, I don't like the kid, I'm out of here. That's sad. Yeah, fucked up. But, you know... uh, who needs her? Yeah, and that's that's pretty well what the the child in question says. Yeah, like, because he's been asked, you know, hey, you know, what about what about your mom? Yeah, well, fuck what about her? her? Hey, <laughs> she doesn't want nothing to do with me. I don't want nothing to do with her. I'm I'm because I'm I'm good with that. I'm like, oh, that person's like, oh, okay. But that was basically like she was just an incubator, pretty much not a mother. But she wanted to be a part time mom. Yeah. That's what it was. I you see. Know. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was the whole thing behind it. It was just part-time. <laughs> so the couple was never legally married, but Catherine changed her surname uh, to Bernie. They then moved into three whoremouse. Whore oh, my God. Morehouse. It's Morehouse. <laughs> my <laughs> mind saw whoremouse. Oh, God. <laughs> That is a Disney porn waiting to happen. <gasps> okay, into three I'm a bad house. Yeah. <laughs> Street in uh, Willoughby, a working class Fremantle suburb. Sorry about that, by the way. My allergies. <laughs> I took my allergy pills. I'm still dying. I know. It's been bad. David Burney got a job selling car parts at a wrecker's yard in Myrie, a four-minute drive from the house, where he was known as reliable, trustworthy, intelligent, and happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Uh, At home, where neighbors considered them quiet people who kept to themselves, Burney smoked weed, 
shot up some heroin and uh, did prescription drugs. Dude, dude, David, pick your poison, man. <laughs> Go on the nod with heroin. All right. Smoke a little weed. Hey, no problem. Yeah. Or take pills. No problem. Don't do all three, for fuck's sakes, man. That, <laughs> nothing good comes out of mixing that many chemicals. No, it doesn't. Uh, David Burney wanted sex up to six times a day and would inject anesthetic into his penis to extend his performance. Holy shit. Yeah. You know it sounds like if if sex was an Olympic sport, he would he would have a gold medal. He would be the the undefeated gold medal gold champion. medal for Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the nineteenth time in a row, mm-hmm. goes to David Barney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I knew it would. Uh, he needed constant gratification, and the pair experimented with sex toys. Nice. Yeah. What's wrong with wanting sex six times a day? <laughs> well, hey, 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 hey. Let's put the brakes on that one there, uh, Sweet Cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Number one, I'm good for maybe once or twice a day. I'm good with that. However, I learned something. You know how most guys go, I want a woman who's a nymphomaniac. No, you don't. No, you fucking don't. And let me tell you why. I dated this chick named Megan, and she was seriously, clinically a nymphomaniac. Yeah. After like the seventh or eighth time in one day that we went at it, things get a little sore. A little raw. A little, a little raw. Yeah. So I'm like crying in the shower, like I just been violated. And she's like, "Get out here!" And she's like, "One more time, let me kiss it, make it better." But no, don't touch it anymore. <laughs> Stay away from me, bad lady. You touch me in my no-no zone. Go away. <laughs> I mean, the hot water hit my junk. And you're like, and I'm, huh? <laughs> I was. I was like, "Mother of God!" Yeah. Tears are coming out of my eyes. I'm ready to call nine one one. I'm like, I need a splint. I need a splint for this thing, and like some kind of ointment. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) it's embarrassing when you got to go down to the drugstore, and you got to say, "Do you have dick ointment?" Because I got some (laughs) stuff going on down here. I got a problem. My nymphomaniac girlfriend, and you know, and it wasn't lack of lube either. It's just it's just total overuse. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there. Well, at that point, it's a compulsion. Oh, of yeah. hers, it's yeah. Oh, totally. You know, and I'm sitting there wondering, can I order a brand new one of these? Because <laughs> I'm gonna need I'm, some interchangeable <laughs> parts here. I'm pretty sure mine's uh like like on a car. It's only got so many miles before you got to trade it in. I'm <laughs> yes. looking at it going. This was a decently running penis here, and I'm pretty sure I just took it on a trip around the world eight times. A couple times, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's wore out. I need, I need a new one. Doctor! <laughs> you need to rebuild your engine there. We can rebuild it bigger, stronger, <laughs> faster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the six yeah. million dollar cock. <laughs> Be awesome. All right, continue. So, David Burney did several more stints in prison for theft and had begun having sexual fantasies of rape and murder. David told Catherine that if she helped him abduct, bind, and rape a young woman, she too would achieve, quote, maximum results. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Clinically tested for maximum results. For maximum results, yeah. Um, Catherine went with it, whether it was for herself or just to keep David happy. In September of 1986, David Burney placed an advertisement in a local paper as a lure to potential victims. It read, Urgent! Looking for a lonely person. Prefer female, 18 to 24 years. Share a single room flat. (laughs) Gosh, you know, I'm... 
but they were lining up. Um, <laughs> well, he was a smooth talker. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been. Hello, my name is David. I like to have sex with horses. <laughs> I expose myself. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> a young woman, Mary Frances Nielsen, 22, had meanwhile approached David at the spare parts yard to buy some tires. The pretty young psychology student with long, wavy brown hair was working part-time at a delicatessen in Adadale, not far from Willagee, while studying at the University of Western Australia. When he suggested she visit his home for new tires at a special cut-rate deal, she agreed. Um, On the evening of October 6th, 1986, Mary knocked on the door of 3 Morehouse Street. It's it's Hormouse Street. It's Hormouse Street, Street, yeah. That's... From now on, that's what that is. I just think of I, I think of Disney. That's on the Disney Plus. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> an un- unimpressive. Yeah, an unimpressive single story home with a neglected yard. As soon as she was inside, she was chained to a bed, and David raped her as Catherine watched. Yeah, spectator sport. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, David Burney then expressed a desire to kill their young victim. The pair drove Mary to a location then known as the Glen Eagle State Forest Picnic Area, around 30 miles away, where she was raped again. As she begged for mercy, David Burney strangled her with a nylon cord. Then he stabbed her and mutilated her body, which they buried in a shallow grave. Around two weeks later... Susanna Candy, 15, was hitchhiking <laughs> along the Sterling Highway in Claremont near the same spot where the Claremont serial killer victims were abducted a decade later. You know that that's not a real name, right? Claremont? No, Candy. Candy. Oh, that's, it is, actually. That's a stripper name. That's uh, right. what the hell that is. Susanna Candy. My name's Susanna Candy. I'm just doing this to pay my way through college. <laughs> As you're... Yeah. And she's working the pole. Um, not just that pole, but the pole. The pole, yeah. Yeah, just to get through college. That, that's that, that's she's fifteen. <laughs> well, her parents set her up with a stripper, right? Name. That's I'm just saying, man. Smart, pleasant, and a straight A student at Hollywood High School. Su- the best stripper at the club. <laughs> Susanna was the daughter of one of Perth's most respected ophthalmic surgeons, Doctor Douglas Candy. Usually. Dr. Candy, who was uncertain about his young daughter working part-time at a restaurant, uh, would meet her after work and take her home. But on October 20th of 1986, a Monday, Susanna was making her way home alone when an innocuous-looking couple in their 30s offered her a lift. The presence of a woman in the car had to have reassured her. Uh, The Bernies drove Susanna back to Morehouse Street, tied her to the bed, and David repeatedly raped her. Over several days, Susanna became the couple's sex slave. Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. See, jacked up, because now, uh, once again, that puts, I mean, she's not a child child. She's a teenager. Right. But still, that's, fuck. Yeah. They forced the teenager to write letters to her parents, saying she just needed time away from home to sort out some problems. Uh, why, why they thought the parents of a 15-year-old would be okay with that, I, I don't know. Yeah, fifteen-year-olds do that all yeah. the time. I mean, I know if any of my kids at fifteen, you'd be like, "Oh, say, cool, okay, yeah, no problem." I'll man. see you in a while. See you whenever you decide to get back to come home. You're yeah, fifteen, responsible enough to be out there on your own. Yeah. No problem at all. Just yeah. keep going. 
Finally, sick of her, David Burney produced a nylon rope and put it around her neck. But the young girl became hysterical and fought him off. Nice. Yeah. The Burneys forced sleeping pills down Susanna's throat. And when she was comatose, he picked up the rope and said to Catherine, Prove you love me. Catherine Burney then strangled Susanna to death. Fuck, man. Yeah. This is a whole pile of fucked up. fucked up. The couple drove uh, her body to the Glen Eagle Forest and dug a shallow grave near where they had put Mary Nielsen. The Bernies mailed one of Susanna's letters and two weeks later mailed the second. The Candy family had reported Susanna as a missing person and the letters did not convince them, but police believed she was a runaway. I'm really starting to feel like that's a cop out. It it is. A cop out, yes. Yeah. It All really, puns intended there. Well, and it really is because a lot of when it comes to teenagers, oh, don't worry, they'll be back in like two days or whatever. Bullshit. <laughs> like, look for the fucking kid, out man. of the thousands of times that you say that, <laughs> you know, how many times? Uh, yeah. I would venture to say out of every time, out of every hundred times that that's been said, maybe five kids came back. Came back. No, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm just an asshole. I yeah. was out hanging out with my buddies and. You know, and now I'm back. Yeah. The rest of the time, you know, you got kids that are getting victimized and all kinds of shit. And uh, the cops are all, well, we didn't see that one coming. Yeah. So on November 1st of 1986, a Saturday, Nolene Patterson was driving home from work when her car ran out of gas. You know what I think of when you say that name? Nolene. I know. Me too. Me too. Me too. It's the Australian version of Jolene. Of Jolene, yes. Uh, the elegant, attractive, and accomplished 31-year-old had worked as an Ansett Airlines flight attendant on entrepreneur Alan Bond's private jet and at Nedland's golf, cl- golf club. She lived with her mother in Bicton on the Swan River in eastern Perth. Standing by her car, Ms. Patterson was relieved when a couple drove up beside her. She knew the Bernies, who had helped her wallpaper a room in her house just a few weeks earlier and got into the car. Because she was like, hey, I know you guys. Uh, Her relief turned to horror when David put a knife to her throat and she was driven to the house in Willoughby. The Bernies went with their usual MO, chained her to the bed, gagged her, and repeatedly raped her. Over several days of this abuse, however, Catherine Burney began to feel insecure because she knew David actually liked Nolene. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he was... Don't take my man just because you can. (laughs) David was showing signs of reluctance and disposing of Nolene, always putting it off. After three days, Catherine held the knife to Nolene's throat and demanded to David, uh, it's her, me. So... David forced sleeping pills down her throat and strangled her as Catherine watched. And they drove her body to join the others at the Glen Eagle Forest grave. Jiminy Christmas. Catherine threw dirt in Nolene's face as a final insult uh, to a potential rival for David's affections. Because, you know, David's such an upstanding guy. Yeah. You wouldn't want to lose that. Yeah. Three days later, on November 4th, part-time computer operator and babysitter Denise Brown was standing at a bus stop on the Sterling Highway. She had just left a tavern in the Fremantle suburb of Cool Bellup when a friendly couple drove up in a car. 
The 21-year-old accepted the offer of a lift, but as soon as she was in the car, a knife was held to her throat. Denise was taken back to Morehouse Street, chained to the bed, and raped repeatedly. <laughs> Rape and rinse and repeat again. No kidding, man. Um, I see a pattern here. Right? I see a pattern. Yeah. The couple forced her to call her parents and tell them she was okay. After two days, Catherine Burney decided she had had enough of Denise being alive, and the couple drove the victim to the Nangara Pine Plantation. So they, they decided they needed a change of scenery. <laughs> no, hey, I, I, can, I can relate to that. Sometimes yeah. you're looking around going, this place will no longer do. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I have more jokes, but they're just coming too fucking fast for me to even get them out. It was still daylight, so the Bernies needed to waste some time. Uh, David decided to rape Denise again. When night fell, Catherine held a flashlight above Denise as David slit her throat while he was raping her. Not dead. What? Yeah, but making gurgling sounds from her neck wounds. Denise lay still breathing until Catherine retrieved a larger knife from the car and David uh, plunged it into her chest. God, what the fuck? (laughs) The couple dug a shallow grave and put her in it, but as they were tossing dirt over her, Denise sat up and gasped for breath. Damn, Denise is a hardcore chick, She is a fighter, yeah. Fucking Um, hardcore, (laughs) fuck. (laughs) David hit Denise over the head with his shovel, but she still tried to get up. And then finally, he he bludgeoned her to death with an axe. Gee, many Christmas. You know, I'm a little bit proud. I'm I'm very proud of Denise, man, because, god damn. Yeah. I would think after my throat has been cut, that would be it for me. Like, dead or not, I'd be like, let's just get this shit over with. Yeah. Here she is. She's like, not on my watch, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. To try again? Nope. (laughs) You failed. Try again. (laughs) One more time. One more time. I'll take you on. (laughs) Catherine would later say the encounter had left her squeamish about committing further murders. <laughs> she was like, that was just too much work. <laughs> there I was, all sweating and shit. What a bitch. <laughs> I mean, why can't you just die? But after 27 days of raping, torturing, and murdering, David's bloodlust was on a high. 17-year-old Kate Moore was hitchhiking. Stop hitchhiking! along the Sterling Highway after a Sunday night out with friends. It was November 9th, 1986, and she was very drunk when she accepted a lift from a harmless-looking couple. All right, you were super drunk. Still, definitely not a good time to hitchhike. It makes me wonder, like, especially once you were leaving a party, doesn't any of your friends own cars? Or say, maybe you should just stay here. Yeah. God dang, man. But apparently when you get drunk at a party, nobody owns a car. And nobody gives a shit yeah, anymore. Yeah. You're going to hitchhike? Go for it. What's the worst that can happen? People die on this highway all the time. I'm like, where's Kate? Have you seen Kate? <laughs> she was hitchhiking. Oh, we're not going to see her again. Ne- we're never going to see her again. Uh, Thank God. She was kind of a bitch wearing the same <laughs> blouse that I was wearing. What a whore. I bet you she lives over on Whore Mouse. Right. <laughs> Disney plus plus bitch. So th- this time they actually drove her home. Like to her home or their to home? To her own house, to her family home. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, that's polite um, of them. But when she tried to open the car door, she realized there was no interior handle. David pulled his tr- trusty butcher's knife from his Ugg boot and held it to her throat. 
Because Uggs come from Australia. I didn't know if you knew that or not. I did not fucking know that. That is where they come from. Aren't Uggs fucking big and bulky and, like, insulated? They are. Why would you... (laughs) It's super popular in California, too. Why the fuck are they wearing them? Doesn't... Fucking... You're in Australia. They're not known for their ski resorts and snow and... And all that shit. You're in fucking Australia, for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah, what do you need those for? Jeez. Hey, we're going to go to the Outback. Better put the Uggs on for the <laughs> snow. My feet are cold. <laughs> fucking hey, Jesus Christ. Fucking Australia. Huh. She asked, are you going to rape me or kill me? And David Burney replied, we'll only rape you if you're good. <laughs> all right. Hey, okay. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Now you put the put the butcher's knife back into your UG and get to the raping and not so much the killing. <laughs> the killing, okay? Yeah. Uh, Kate would later recall she heard Catherine Burney say, "I've got the munchies. Have you got the munchies? I've got the munchies too. Hey, I see. I see the pattern. That was their secret sign that they had found their next victim. That's what they would say to each other. Jeez. Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of pretty innocuous, you know, and. <laughs> You've been smoking the weed and yeah, and yeah. heroin and pills. You yeah, know, you know, a little bit of drug, drug, a little bit of raping. You get the munchies. I'm hungry. Yeah, get hungry. You know you're gonna die, but you don't acknowledge that to yourself. You just live it. Kate said. Taken to Morehouse Street, Kate was quizzed about who she was. Was made to take a shower, smoke weed, and then sit down to watch movies. Well, see, at least they're being nice to this one. They're not just like <laughs> strapping her to the bed, doing the raping and then the killing and stuff like that. Like, have a little. Well, we're gonna take a little time here. Yeah, let's smoke some weed. Let's have something to eat, something to drink, have a shower, and then we'll get to the raping. <laughs> she was then made to dance to the Dire Straits song "Romeo and Juliet" in front of the Bernies. Hey, okay, hold on. At least they have good taste in music. In music, music yeah. I would have picked something more complicated like Sultan's a Swing, but that's just me. I I just dig the guitar in it. <laughs> she remembered David Burney's mustard-colored robe, right? I hate that color. Okay, you know what? Now they get minus points because yeah. that's disgusting. Great taste in music, Dave, but your fashion taste? <laughs> Hideous. And, Christ. Uh, yeah. This is gross. Wearing a mustard colored robe, you stick And pig. the shiny gold chains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing says high class like a mustard colored robe and, and gold some gold chains. chains. All yeah. it needs is like the grill going on, like the rappers <laughs> <Yes>. have. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. And the grill, yo. <laughs> Oh my god, that's perfect. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got the grill down under. (laughs) That's now I'm thinking about Catherine's vagina having teeth. It probably does. Well, there there was actually a horror movie not out of called Teeth. Called Teeth. I know. Oh yes, I've seen it. Isn't that the most that and uh, and Rubber? Yes, the the killer tire. The killer tire. Yes, yes. (laughs) Those two. When I first saw Teeth, and we'll get back on topic. I'm. I'm looking at the description of it, and I'm like, get the fuck out. This is stu- I got to watch this shit. I saw it in the theater. Oh, get the hell out. I yeah. saw it on cable, and it was freaking amazing. I'm like, yeah, that and rubber. Perfect. Perfect. Right. In the end, she did take a bite out of crime. That was... Vagina dentata. That's what they called it. <laughs> right. I was a little nervous to date at that point after seeing that, actually. I'm like, I know that it's not real, but... 
what if this chick has vagina dentata or whatever the dentata and she takes a bite out of Mr. Winky? I wouldn't be happy with that. That's a bad worst date ever. Like it's like an angler fish. There's <laughs> <laughs> bait held out first. Oh, not me, man. I'd be I mean, you're getting a bad Yelp review. Worst date ever. ever. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Diary. <laughs> Dear Diary. Worst date ever. <laughs> now you can call me Margaret. Um, uh, I had a 200% chance of dying and a 5% chance of getting away, she said in a 2017 interview. 205%. Yeah. Um, Math is different. In it's Australia. different down there, yeah. They do kilometers and all that stuff. It's confusing. It's confusing. <laughs> I'm just trying to help this woman now, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's just a mushroom stamp away from freedom. Anyway, go ahead. He raped her the first time just after midnight while Catherine watched and took notes. <laughs> I love him. Okay, so I raped her this way right here. If I try this, dear diary. <laughs> Let me give you some constructive criticism here. This is what I've noticed. Excuse me, David. David, David. Yeah. Look, the way you're doing this, it's okay. But, but. <laughs> if you tried this. Hold on. Let me take a fucking note on that shit, mate. <laughs> oh. You've got no rhythm with the raping. And plus, you're supposed to call me names. You didn't call me one name. Not Jesus once. Christ. What's wrong with you? If you're going to rape, do it right. <laughs> During the night, uh, Kate was given a pen and paper and told to write goodbye letters to her loved ones. Uh, made to shower again and moved to the master bedroom where she was raped again. David Burney handcuffed her foot to his and gave her some pills to take and she was told to go to sleep. Kate hid the pills under her tongue and later put them under the mattress, figuring if she went to sleep, quote, I'd never wake up. That's true. They kind of have a history of that shit. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, the Bernies made her call her parents and tell them she'd been really drunk, but that she was staying with some friends. David told her that if she told them anything, she would be murdered like the others. Like now, they're definitely going to kill you because they just said that they killed other people. They're going to be getting with the killing. Yeah, and that's a, that wasn't part of the arrangement. They said if I'm good, they just do. The I did raping. everything you said, you like, asshole. Dave, I even gave you tips on better raping. <laughs> you can't do that. Oh, what a, what an asshole! I knew this would happen. Yeah, pigs. That's yep. why I don't date them. <laughs> Damn nasty ass men. It was now uh, Monday morning, and David, who was well-regarded at his workplace, left the house for his day of the working week at the spare parts shop. You don't want to be late, you know. <laughs> his departure gave Kate a, f a faint hope she might escape and survive. She hid her lipstick and a piece of paper with her phone number on it as proof that she had been there just in case she could escape and tell the police. Yeah, good, good call, actually. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. When someone knocked on the front door and Catherine answered it without re-securing Kate's chains, the teenager broke the bedroom window lock and pushed it open. Falling out the window onto the driveway, she got up and ran to the nearest house. She tried three houses, but nobody was home. 
Wearing that work, man. <laughs> wearing only black leggings and a camisole, she found a shop finally with a man standing outside it. And she's like, he's like, hey, baby, what? how are you doing? You want to get to some raping, maybe? <laughs> she's like, no, been there, been there, Already. done that. Like, I'm on, I'm on a break from raping. <laughs> Hysterical. Yeah, I would need some ice too. Yeah. <laughs> you have some <clears throat> ice. You have an ice pack I can sit on. Uh, a little rough. <laughs> Hysterical, she pleaded with him, help, I've been raped, please let me inside and and call the police. If a woman comes here and says, I've had a fight with her and I'm her daughter, don't believe her. So the man took her to the police station. Fair enough. Yeah. Kate told Fremantle police about her ordeal at the hands of the sex-crazed couple and the clues she had left at the house. She described David as having an abnormally long-hooked Nose. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else with that one. I'm all really tell me more. It's like what is a fishing hook pecker or something? Here, fishy, 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 fishy. And Catherine, as a short woman with a permanent frown and high cheekbones, I think I'd have a permanent frown by that point too. Well, I, you smile like a lot, a lot, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> when officers arrived at Three Morehouse Street, no one was home. But when Catherine arrived back, she was arrested and David was found at work and taken into custody. Interviewed in separate rooms, the pair revealed little. David Burney first claimed the young girl had willingly gone to the house to smoke weed and also willingly had sex with him. The interviews stretched into the late afternoon, full of Burney's lies. Well, yeah, I mean, who's going to come right out and say, we, we, we took her here and then we did some raping. So, that's what I was just going to say. Okay. Did no. you do it? Well, yeah, I did it. Yeah. I, I did it, but you, you busted me. You caught me. Your your interrogation was just <laughs> more than I could handle. So, finally, one detective said to David Burney, look, it's getting dark. Why don't you just show me where the bodies are so we can dig them up? Fuck. To his surprise, David Burney replied, okay, there are four of them. <laughs> wow that that's all it took for him to break huh just that little bit that's awesome he's like oh it is it is getting dark shit yeah, you're yeah. right the sun's going down we ain't got no time there's four of them come on we're gonna let's go, go yeah field trip told about david's confession Catherine broke her silence and the detectives decided they would take the couple in handcuffs for the grim discovery of the bodies in the forest Late on Monday night, on the edge of a pine forest in Nangara, 20 miles north of Perth, the team of detectives found a shallow grave. Between lines of trees, they found the naked remains of Denise Brown that had been lying there for almost a week. Because they didn't even bother to bury her, because she was such a pain in the ass to kill. (laughs) Like, I'm tired. I'm done. That is fucked up. Yeah. Before sunrise, the team had traveled across the city and south about 50 miles to Glen Eagle Forest looking for three more graves. After some initial problems finding the burial grounds, uh, they drove up a bush track and began digging at a spot indicated by David. Another short drive, more digging, and another body was found. These were the remains of Mary Nielsen and Susanna Candy. So they were were right next to each other. Catherine Burney... Wanted to show them the next grave. Because she fucking hated this woman. Back to the highway and along yet another track lay a body covered with gravel. This was Nolene Patterson. And when she saw it, Catherine Bernie spit on her. 
She was still mad. Damn. Yeah. What a fucking plot. (laughs) That's what she thought. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Here's this woman. It's like, uh, Catherine, I don't don't want to be the one to break this to you, but even when she was alive. She wasn't that in. She was not into your husband. (laughs) Not even that into him. She was not into him at all. Yeah. yeah. It's just. This wasn't her idea. She's not a threat. Like, trust me on that one. I'm I'm 99% sure that, yeah, she's not going to go and take your. wonderful studly man that you have there who has all these great qualities just saying sometimes you just need to be reminded that you won okay (laughs) you're here she's not because she's fucking dead because she's dead (laughs) on November 13th a team of 10 workers with two excavators began lifting sections of drain in Harrison Street, around the corner from the Bernie's house. Workers laying pipes had several months earlier found pieces of bone, a pair of shoes, and women's underwear. But it was not until the Bernie murders were revealed that they acted on it. Uh, Police searched the drain for hours, but didn't find anything else. Hmm. Um, On November 12th, Police charged Catherine and David Burney each with four counts of murder, two counts of aggravated sexual assault on the 17-year-old girl, and one count of deprivation of liberty. I guess that means like, sort of, maybe like, yeah. like adult kidnapping? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought it was, like the adult kidnapping, without it being a kid. <laughs> adult kidnapping. Adult napping. Well, and let me tell you why, because like I'm a big child, I'm a, I'm considered an adult. <laughs> and if somebody took me, it'd be an adult kidnapping. And you guys would be like, um, trust me, you motherfucker. I can see it now. They're going to be calling. We will return Scott back to you guys for one million dollars. You'd be like, ha ha ha. No, you, <laughs> Pretty. You, know, you call me back and offer me the money to take him back because you will soon. So, I'll tell you what. Why don't you guys keep him for three or four days? We'll then see you, how you like it. And I, about two days later, we go. When he gets there, yeah. And uh, we're just going to call it good, okay? I can see it now. They'd be calling you guys, but hey, look, this is the kidnappers. Uh, we're, you know what? I'll just be right out. We were wrong. Then we're sorry, but we apologize. You guys seem like good people. What can we do to... I'm going to be like, you know what? No, this is like a teenager who ends up in, in the drunk tank overnight. You're going to keep him for a couple more days. That's no. your punishment. Your punishment is you, you, you get to keep him. Like you have Three, four more days. But, I don't uh, want to see you again here <laughs> until the weekend's over. Me and the guys <laughs> talked. We pulled all of our resources. We got like five grand. We'll like give you every... And a car. We, hold on. What else do we got? Uh, oh, make that... We have $5,500. Um, can, can we... Maybe you take In him back In cash. Today? Cash? Maybe you take him back there? No. No. Huh? What, what, what was it that got you? It's the dick jokes. He made so many porn and dick jokes. We couldn't take it just, anymore. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Well, have you tried... None of us are killers. He's just... No. Just, just take All him. we wanted was ransom money. <laughs> Good times. And then you just got ransom funny? Yeah. yeah. Then they got ransom funny. <laughs> A 19-year-old female student came forward after the murders hit the news. She claimed she was walking home from the university when a couple tried to pick her up. She felt uneasy about getting in the car when she saw what she assumed was a young boy or a girl laying in the back seat. 
The body was that of Denise Brown, drugged by sleeping pills and passed out. So while they had her in the car, they were going to try and pick up another one. Hey, it's efficient, man. You yeah. get rid of one, you know, you know, you get the just. No, that's true. That is true. <laughs> uh, the student declined a ride and the car drove away. Her description of the driver and the woman in the passenger seat matched perfectly with David and Catherine Burney. A hearing was held in February of 1987, at which both Catherine and David Burney pled guilty to all charges. Justice Alkin Wallace sentenced David Burney to life in prison, stamping his record never to be released. The judge remarked, each of these horrible crimes was premeditated, planned, and carried out cruelly and relentlessly over a comparatively short period. He should never be let out of prison. I agree with that, man. And he had a long record already. (laughs) No shit. Like, he was literally a career criminal, like, from an early on. Yeah. Catherine Burney received the same sentence, but was given a minimum term that would make her first eligible for parole in 2007. When it was over, Catherine Burney was dragged screaming and kicking and spitting to the van that would take her to Bandyup Prison. The public screamed at David Burney as he was taken away, and he just smiled and blew them a kiss. We were just talking about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's totally my style. <laughs> David continued his violent temperament in prison and was often in the middle of fights, beaten up, and spent a lot of time in the prison infirmary. Catherine Burney revealed in her first full year of incarceration that she missed her, quote, husband and blamed herself for their capture. (laughs) It couldn't have been the, the, you know... The interrogators, you know, hey, look, it's getting late. Show us where the bodies are. Hey, you busted uh, me. Let's go well, get she was one. like, had I, you know, had I remembered to like reattach her restraints when I opened the front door, you know. <laughs> um, Catherine told one visitor, I could have stopped that girl. I should have, but it all had to come to an end. For four years, the Bernies exchanged over 2,600 letters between Bandyup. <clears throat> prison Holy and fuck. David Burney's cell in Casarina Prison. Yeah. Catherine Burney received visits in prison from her six children and and from David's first wife. What the fuck? Visited her. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, she told visitors of her hopes to be released on parole despite Justice Wallace's pronouncement that strict security Life imprisonment should mean exactly that for her. She said she was confused and distressed and was coming down from heroin addiction during her trial. That doesn't matter. Uh, It doesn't matter. I'm I'm sure you were, but you still did what you did. I I, I did, and that that chicken was never the same. (laughs) Just just saying. (laughs) You and your spatchcocking. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jake likes to sneak that in on me every every once in a while. Hey, Dad, you want some chicken? And it says, "Well, I'll spatchcock it." No, you won't. Don't don't even know. Just I've got a chicken in our freezer right now, waiting to be spatchcocked. <laughs> Look at the pecker on that chicken. <laughs> That's, yeah. 
Catherine Bernie allegedly told one visitor, if I get out when I'm 55, we might get together, but we'll probably be too old to do anything. What the? You know what, Catherine? Fuck you. I'm almost 50. Fuck you, bitch. It's 55. (laughs) I know. I know. Now I really wish they had the death penalty there. I was good up until she said that. You're like, Like, and now we're done. Yeah. In 1990, David Burney claimed that being apart from Catherine was sending him into a complete physical and mental breakdown. That's because, you know, that whole sex thing wanted, what, six to nine times a day, whatever it was, and now he's getting a different kind of sex, and he's pretty sure he's not enjoying it. (laughs) He's the bottom this time. A little bit, yeah. He's the bun. (laughs) It's like, how does the rape and feel? How's that feel? Yeah. (laughs) Catherine Burney had initially wanted to marry David when the pair were jailed, but by 1997, that desire had waned, and the letters from her to David dried up. Like her vagina. Yeah. (laughs) Catherine Burney had begun her own campaign for parole and decided she stood a better chance by cutting him off. She told detectives... She took part in the killings only because of her infatuation with David, and she took part in the sexual assaults on their victims to demonstrate her love for him. She told police she was, quote, prepared to follow him to the end of the earth and do anything to see that his desires were satisfied. Wow. Do you not have your own? No shit. I was going to bring that up, you know, on a, on a psychology level. It's about give, or, give and take. Like, you and John, you know, you both have desires. Right. And it's give and take. Right. You know, and, and it, it, it blends. And that, that's the same with, with me and Dawn. This, it's give and take. You can't live your life focused around one person's desires and pretty well resigning yourself to, I have nothing. I have no desires at all. My whole desire is just to make this one person, person happy. happy. Yep. If that is your one desire, like for real out there, if that's your one desire, seek some help. Because you need to have your own goals. You need to you need to know what makes you happy besides making one individual happy. Maybe you need to take up knitting or sewing. <laughs> get a hobby. Get a hobby. Fishing. Um, not raping. I don't I don't recommend that. Yeah, raping no. and murder. Especially for you guys out there in freaking Australia and knock the hell off with the raping and the murdering. <laughs> um, but uh, get a hobby. Like, you know, macrame. Um, I love macrame. <laughs> It does. <laughs> I, I have no words for that. A macrame leads to bondage. You know what? I'm no going to let you fucking finish this no shit No wonder up. I have loved macrame <laughs> since I was a little kid. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. This is Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. So, sometime after his letters to Catherine went unanswered, David was prescribed antidepressant medication in prison. In 2005... He was charged with the sexual assault of a fellow prisoner, and his computer was confiscated after it was found to contain pornographic images. Man, leave that guy's porn collection alone. Heck, for real. He's in prison. He's got to have something in his spank bank. He doesn't. He used up his life's allotment before he got there. (sighs) In this case, I'm going to say no porn. That's really... That makes not me sadder something than, I usually would say. That makes me sadder than anything else, man, because I like the variety of porn. <laughs> that's a, and here's, here's the bizarre thing. While, while I talk about porn a lot, I actually do look for the weirdest shit on the planet because regular porn doesn't do it for me anymore because I've kind of experienced everything. Desensitized? I'm not even desensitized. I've just, you know, 
porn is based on fantasy. So yeah. you know, when you're talking like threesomes or you know group sex or it, it, it just about, I've, I've done just about everything sexual that there is almost. Right. Um, with few exceptions, like nobody's going to take a dump on me because that's just disgusting. I was going to say, sometimes you're scarred by the things that you find. So, sometimes. I'm scarred by that shit, literally. Um, but, <laughs> so I look for things that I think are funny. Like uh, I told, I don't know, maybe I didn't tell you guys about the, the midget clown. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Midget clown birthday party. So there's a cake and a midget jumps out of it. There's a giant man baby. Wearing a diaper and the uh, mom coddling him. Uh-huh. Then a clown comes around and starts smacking her ass for no reason. There's two black guys at the table who are wearing suits who just get up and leave. None of it makes sense. Who's the clown? Is the midget the clown? No, no. It's an actual clown clown. The midget was uh, Bridget the midget. Okay, yeah. Um, if you watch midget. I know porn, who that is. Yeah, yeah. Almost everybody knows who Bridget yeah. the midget is. But it was one of hers. And I'm looking at that going, that's, fun. that's fucking funny shit. I like that's. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. I'm, I'm going to watch this. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, jerking the gherkin to it or anything like that. It's fascinating at that point. It's a fucking train wreck. That's what that is. I, I like the train wrecks. Yeah. Because I look at it and go, somebody sat down and actually wrote this porn. Like, True. They wrote what was going to happen. What if? What if we take five different porns? And that make no it sense into one. and throw them all into one. Yeah. Let's see what happens. And that's what happened. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> In early October 2005, a bureaucratic error meant that the paperwork for David's antidepressants uh, was lost in the system and his supply was cut off. Oh, no. On the morning of October 7th, prison officers entering cell 12A and the protective custody unit of Casarina Prison found the body of 54-year-old David Burney hanging by a sheet. Now, that I can see happening because we talked about us being off of our antidepressants. Yeah. Day number two, day number three. That's a shit show. Yes. So, no, I, I, I actually feel bad for him on that. No one claimed his body, and he was buried in an unmarked grave. That's fucked up when nobody wants your body. Yeah. And they don't think you're sexy. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to come on, baby, let you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, he already yeah. spent his semen papers. <laughs> a close relative of Catherine Burney's had previously said that David's death would precipitate Catherine's. I don't think she would take her own life unless David kills himself, Leonard Nock told News Corp reporter George Williams. But if he dies, there's every chance she may do it. Yeah, there's, yeah there, there, there wouldn't be a great loss, though. Like, Let's be real here. Yeah. While in prison, Catherine Burney had expressed her sorrow for her victims, in particular the youngest, 15-year-old Susanna Candy. She also took up painting and began working in the prison library. She found a hobby. She did. That's fucking awesome. Yep. See, she followed the advice. She followed the advice. Got a fucking hobby. In 2007, uh, Catherine applied for parole, and although she was found to be at a low risk of reoffending was rejected because of the extreme nature of her crimes. In 2013, her application was again rejected. Under Western Australian law, Catherine Burney's case for parole must be reviewed every three years, and in 2016, the Prisoner's Review Board recommended not to release her. Ooh, brutal, man. Yeah. 
But at least she's got hobbies now. Perth Supreme Court lawyer Tom Percy has repeatedly called for Catherine Burney's release because she is a as quiet as a church mouse. Because <laughs> she was living over on Hormouse. Yes, and keeping her locked up is an exercise in pure revenge. The chief investigating detective on the Bernie case, Paul Ferguson, disagreed. I honestly believe that woman has never given those victims one ounce of consideration, both the dead victims and the families of the victims, he told Perth, now. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh. You doing okay over there? Got dry all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Thought that wasn't a problem. Okay. <laughs> Happens to the best of us, I guess. <laughs> Just gotta change holes. Take care. She's an actor. The person I met is all for herself, and she will do what is whatever is necessary. They were parasites who lived off of each other. The most evil people I've ever ever come across. I I would agree. Honestly, yeah. In 2016. The Bernie's fifth and surviving victim, Kate Moore, launched a petition to end victims' re-traumatization by the possibility of their attackers getting parole. Due for another parole review that year, Catherine Bernie's hopes were dashed in October of 2018 when the Western Australian Attorney General introduced a new law into Parliament. John Quigley... Quigley down under. That's yeah. exactly what came to mind as yep. soon as you said that. Roy! <laughs> I always think of that. Um, drafted new laws that meant rules allowing even the worst killers to apply for parole every th- three years would be scrapped. This meant persons convicted of three or more murders on the one day or two or more murders on different days could be banned for parole consideration for up to six years. That's fair enough. I mean... <laughs> Agreed. Because fucking... Yeah. What they did was just... Horrible. Beyond. It wasn't just the killing. They're torturing. They're raping. Yeah. You know, was, I, don't, I don't think she should get out either. That's just, that's just me, though. That's just me. Mr. Quigley paid tribute to Kate Moore when announcing the proposed law changes. There is the possibility of a sixth victim... In 2017, the daughter of a woman missing since 1986 came forward to say she believes her mother may have been murdered by David and Catherine Burney. In fact, after the Burney's arrest, police reviewed a list of missing females and it included Cheryl Renwick. Michelle Renwick was 14 years old when her mother, Cheryl, vanished. Which makes me wonder if that's where the bone and teeth and clothes in the sewer came from. Uh, could be. It's a possibility. Don't die over there. I'm trying not to. Do you, do you need CPR? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I'd pound on your chest, but... You can't do that right now. <laughs> Don't want to get electrocuted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> sorry. In the months before Cheryl's disappearance, Michelle remembers her mother being terrified that a man and woman were stalking her. Overnight, between Sunday, May 25th and Monday, May 26th, 1986, Cheryl disappeared from her flat in South Perth. Uncharacteristically, she failed to show up 
at her office to work and was not home to meet her daughters returning from a weekend with their father. The following week, her car was found abandoned at Perth Airport, but police could find no evidence the mother of two had traveled by plane or bus, and her bank accounts were untouched. Michelle told Channel 7's Murder Uncovered she believed the Bernies were involved. Following the Bernies' 1996 arrest... God damn, sorry. Do you need some tea or something? <clears throat> I'm working on something over here. Oh, okay. Besides being electrocuted. It makes your mouth dry after a while. <laughs> <laughs> that opens up even more fucking jokes. Jesus Christ. Fucking killing me over here. <laughs> so, after their arrest, police invited Michelle and her younger sister to look through clothes, jewelry, and other items found at the Morehouse Street home to see if they recognized anything of their mother's. Police later told her Cheryl's case did not fit the Bernie's M.O., but Michelle is haunted by the possibility the Bernie's could be responsible and says there were too many coincidences to discount them. She wants confirmation from Catherine Bernie that she and David did kill Cheryl and reveal where the body is buried. But I don't think she's ever going to get it. No, probably not. And that's, uh, Catherine is still in prison. Fuck, I thought she would have killed herself by now. Nope, nope. She is still there and... Fucking wishful thinking, I guess. Just being good, granny good cookies now. Mmm, grannies and cookies. Granny good cookies, yeah. And that, that is all I have on the Bernies. All right, remember you can send us an email at W... Let's try that again. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just put in at BrutalNation. Get the full story without any of my bullshit. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.